It is spooky Halloween season once more. And for the fourth year in a row, we are throwing on a costume and masquerading as a true crime podcast. In the past, we have covered eccentric serial killers, H.H. Holmes, Jeffrey Dahmer, and Dr. Thomas Cream. But this year, we're really spooking your spooky bones with a chilling tale of Dennis Rader. Sure, he might look like an ordinary dad who wears a fanny pack to Six Flags and has a special pair of New Balance shoes just for mowing the yard. But deep down inside lurks a perverted monster that led a double life and murdered ten people over the span of seventeen years. It's a terrifying tale, but fret not, because we are here to guide you through the haunted horrors of his mind. So, grab a bubbling brew from the cauldron, Settle in to your places of rest and enjoy this episode of 100 Proof History titled The BTK Killer, The Deadly Dork. This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Mm, welcome in, spooky listener. I'm Greg. I'm joined by my scary co-host, Chris. Hello. I'm going to talk like this for the whole episode. <laughs> well, it was nice uh, talking <laughs> to you guys this week. We'll, we'll see you again next time. Uh, no, I have two things. Mm-hmm. First, I actually take personal offense to the intro because I literally have a pair of actual New Balance shoes that are like old as shit that mm-hmm. I use for mowing the yard. <laughs> I did use for mowing the yard. Now they're just for general, you know, when I'm doing outside shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are they stark white? I don't mow the yard anymore, you know? <laughs> Not since we started getting that Patreon money. That ain't me. Also, just the the kind of Halloween vibe that we're putting off, that you were putting off specifically, that reminds me of, like, you did not want to trick-or-treat in my uncle's neighborhood. Why not? Because it was not a great area of town. Uh, all, the, all the treats you'd get were, like, kind of crappy, like a single Tootsie Roll oh. or, like, a handful of loose candy corn. Like, who's eating that? <laughs> Plus, there's all these rumors of kids that would go to his house, like, because he did one of those, like, haunted house things where you entered and some of you may leave. But it was, like, true, (laughs) apparently. Like, they'd go down into the little maze basement, Mm -hmm. and some of them would just get lost from all rumors, you know. Yeah. But. I'm surprised the police never looked into that. (laughs) I know my uncle, and, uh, well, he always had an alibi. Mm. He said, "Oh, I was in I was in Bangkok at the time. <laughs> There's no way I could have been there. That was some deranged criminal in my house. So, who knows? Everybody's in costume. Yeah, that's true. Who can say? Anything can happen on Halloween. It's true. Yeah, this time only comes once a year, which is way more than my wife. So, <laughs> <laughs> at least when it comes to her and me. So, yeah, yeah, man." <laughs> 
what are we talking about today, Chris? Well, today we are talking about the BTK killer, Dennis Rader. Like I said in the intro, killed 10 people over the span of 17 years. I read a couple of books for this one. Did some extra research for you guys. Um, the first source was Bind, Torture, Kill, The Inside Story of the Serial Killer Next Door by Roy Wenzel. And the second book was Confession of a Serial Killer, The Untold Story of Dennis Rader, the BTK Killer, by Catherine Ramsland. And uh, very different books. The first one kind of focuses on how law enforcement approached it and the task force to catch him, makes him sort of this boogeyman. And the second book uh, really delves into his personal life and his thoughts as he was going through it because she went and interviewed him and got all his story and kind of like psychoanalyzed him. And uh, I will tell you, Greg, after reading both these books, I don't think Dennis Rader was a very good guy. Whoa. Yeah. Hot take alert. I know. I know. His his family's listening, and they're going to sue me, but bring it on, okay? I think I have the, the facts to back that up, I think. Now, of course, Greg, this is a true crime story. And it's important to know this is not our usual history story where people die for a reason. There's going to be some horrible things happen in this story. And if uh, that's not your your bag, you're not into true crime, I understand. We'll see you next time. But uh, maybe just stick around. Come along for the ride. No, if you're not, unsubscribe right now. <laughs> Fuck you. If you don't like me at my best, you don't like me at my second best. There is no worst. I'm great at everything. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, that's not true. I'm sorry, listen. I'm projecting. <laughs> I'm very insecure about <laughs> losing listenership. So please, no, no, stick keep around. the tough guy. Keep, they, they I mean, like yeah, it. fuck you, bitch. <laughs> Cheating on me, huh? Huh? Strangle you with your own patios. I swear to God. <laughs> did I do it, Chris? Did I do it? You did. I'm so proud. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Daddy. Well, Greg, are you ready to tell these people the story of Dennis Rader while I tell the first half and then you do the second half? We've been doing it for a while. They know how it goes. <laughs> yes, man. I can't fucking wait. Let's go. Dennis Lynn is a girl's name. Rader was born on March 9th, 1945 in Columbus, Kansas. Rader would say, quote, I was born with a frown and a dimple, end quote. He even said end quote in his dumb accent. <laughs> Which I don't know what that means, but it meant something to him. It's kind of a running theme with Raider. Yeah, it, it probably means something. Yeah. yeah. But he's... I don't know. I think it's probably too early to espouse assumptions, but I feel like he's kind of a dummy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's one so, of those dummies who thinks he's the smartest guy in the fucking room. Yes, exactly. So maybe if you, the listener, will frame your mind going forward with that, mm -hmm. I think you'll see what I mean very yeah. easily. <laughs> yeah. When his mother had been pregnant with little Dennis, she had fallen off a horse, and when he was six to eight months old, she dropped him on his head, and he had to be rushed to the hospital after turning blue. I remember hearing something about, you know, what makes a serial killer, uh, but I'm pretty sure it did not involve being dropped on your head as a child. 
childhood trauma, right? Right. It, it either did or it didn't, but I, I'm leaning it that it didn't. I do feel like there was something in Jeffrey Dahmer's past where he got hit in the head. Hambo? <laughs> yeah. Different kind yeah, of hand from Hambone. Oh, oh, oh. That's where Hambone originated, The for anybody that actually cares to listen. The Jeffrey Dahmer episode, which you can find on our Patreon. No, man. People have been tearing that episode up lately. I guess it's because the Netflix series just dropped. Oh. They're like, this, that's really interesting, but I wonder if there's some way we can incorporate a hand puppet that travels through time and space to suck people off. Can we work that in? That'd probably make this a little better. I still haven't watched it. My, uh, my wife actually put it on the other day on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I fucking turned it off, and I said... I did it better. And then I leaned back and lit up a cigarette in the house. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? You don't even smoke. And definitely not in the house. And I was just like, I, I, you know, I was trying to act like the movies. You start coughing, like hacking up a fucking lung. <laughs> I saw the movies, cool. babe. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we did do it better. Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that show that I haven't seen. <laughs> Well, you mentioned that dropping on the head may have been, or definitely wasn't, like one of the things people say create serial killers. Well, Raider, he would go on to study and admire the work of other serial killers, and he believed those traumas might have been what made him cuckoo for killing puffs. (laughs) Nice pun. Thank you. Pretty much everything we know about Raider's childhood comes from Raider himself. And it's 100% about how much of a hornball he was as a kid and how aroused he was by bondage, sadism, and masochism. His earliest crotch stirrings came when he was five or six and suffered from ear aches. A female doctor came to his home and would hold him down while she punctured his eardrums and then would apply warm oil to his ears and calm him down. Raider said this was a key to the start of his BDSM fetish. Not coincidentally at all, he would later stalk that female doctor, but never got around to actually harming her. And that's like into his adulthood. Yeah. When he was doing that. He wasn't an eight-year-old. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, later, when he was nine and a half. <laughs> yeah. No, he, a- he, was a, he was a grown-ass man. You needled my ears. I'm going to needle yours now <laughs> with my penis. <laughs> my nine-year-old penis. He twirled his little mustache. One day, one day, one day Raider came into the living room and found his mother crying for help. She had gotten her wedding band caught on a spring in the sofa, and she was stuck. Q Pornhub theme music. (laughs) Raider ran to his grandparents' home, which was next door, to get help, but not before he noticed a strange feeling in the pit of his stomach and the groin area. Also known as the penis area. On a male. No, we're trying to keep it classy this week. Greg, we're not going to mention that disgusting part of a man that makes him do things that he probably shouldn't be doing, ruins his marriage. Okay. Penis is a bad word. Thank you. The, the weenie area. <laughs> when he was 10 or 11, his mother found a semen stain in her underwear, and Raider confessed to masturbating into them. She beat him with a belt, but Raider would say that Sparky 
which is what he named his weenie. Sorry, it said penis in the outline, and I just realized we can't say that around these children. Well, his weenie Sparky really liked it when she beat him. Now, despite these events, you know, the couch and the mom beating him after finding his semen, Raider said he was not attracted to his mother. You know, just the various sexy situations she got herself into. Like, he'd be thinking about it later, and he'd be getting close to completion, and then he'd instantly think of a different person, so it doesn't count. You know, like, when I'm thinking about, you know, I don't know, John Hamm and his <laughs> nice jawline, and then right at the end, I'm like, Christine Hendricks, boom! Oh, whew, dodged a bullet there. Oh. Soon, Raider and his cousins began playing cowboys and Indians, or cops and robbers, and if someone was captured, they were tied up and held prisoner in an old silo that was attached to his grandparents' barn. Raider fucking loved every bit of that. It didn't matter if he was tying someone up or being tied up, he always got a little jolt and old Sparky. He began peeping on his neighbors, including his female cousins, and started stealing women's clothing. He'd wear those items and then go into the woods where he'd wrap himself in ropes and masturbate. Which is just, it's just normal boyhood stuff at this point, you know? Like, yeah. he could have he summed all this up as like, I had a normal childhood. Uh, you know, normal middle American childhood. Nothing big. You have a nickname for your dick. Yeah. You do weird things. Steal your cousin's underwear. Put them on while you tie yourself up and jerk off. This. I mean, mean, pretty sure I've seen that in a Norman Rockwell painting. There's long summers, Chris, (laughs) where video games just weren't doing it when we were growing up. And you had to get inventive. Yeah. And there were a lot of household food items, cosmetic items, the microwave. Mm -hmm. A combination of those (laughs) things could make for a very fun time when you're bored. So let's not cast the first stone here, okay? Okay? (laughs) Right? Soon as Price is Right was over, it was fair game on everything in the house. Well, once they started spinning that wheel. Yeah. You know that one game? Yeah. That 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 was basically the the fucking rate. (laughs) You're trying to keep pace. (laughs) And then I would slow down as it started to you know what I mean? I know. I know what you, exactly what you mean. That's why every time I, I climb, would always I try to I, do it in one wheel turn. So. <laughs> one contestant. Well, I know what you mean because now every time I climax, I shout one dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I still shout Bob though because you know that's how, who I grew up with. Not Drew. Different age. Oh, dude. Yeah, Drew's just I don't know. Something about him's creepy to me. At least Bob was on the nose about you knew Bob he, he being a molesty person. <laughs> yeah. Drew, it's like, mm, you're one of those closet molesty people. <laughs> no last names were used. We're good, Chris. Didn't you tell me your uncle was a closet molesty person? Or at least something about him putting you in a closet? I don't remember the, the whole story. No, that was a, a sleepy baggy molesty person <laughs> when we were camping. Thanks for bringing that up. You're welcome. It's the Halloween episode. We're supposed to be scary and, you know, bring up trauma. And that was my younger brother. It wasn't me. I was in a separate tent. Oh, okay. 
And my younger brother, may he rest in peace, I will say. <laughs> Never found his killer. I'm sorry for laughing about that. A lot of evidence pointed towards someone in the family, but we never figured out who. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, anyway. (laughs) It was also around that same time that Raider discovered true crime detective magazines. He particularly loved the ones where the girl was bound and killed by a sadistic madman. I said particularly twice in one sentence. There are two sentences, yeah. Mm-hmm. One of his favorites was a magazine featuring the tale of H.H. H. Holmes and his murder castle. A.K.A. the Pussy Murder Castle. <laughs> if you want to know what that means, again, check out the uh, Patreon. H.H. H. Holmes. Boom. That's, that was year one, baby. That was us just... Ooh, that's an old boy. Spreading our wings, you know, learning how to fly. Crashing into the ground, a dog comes and eats our body because we didn't actually learn to fly, and mm. little, little fledglings that get devoured by beasts. Mm. Started from the bottom, and now we're here. Slightly above the bottom. <laughs> Feels good, dude. Head barely above water, but we're doing it. I feel like it. Drake in that music video where I'm just like buying people's groceries and shit. <laughs> Goddamn millionaire, bitch. <laughs> feel like Drake in those texts that he sent to Millie Bobby Brown asking her when she's turning 18. <laughs> when she was 14. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Drake in the sense that I'm a predator for Halloween. You know, from that yeah. movie. The Predator? Predator. Yeah. yeah. I've got the, the mask and, and all that, but I'm calling myself Drake. <laughs> and people will be like, oh. I get it. I get it. That's funny. It's pretty funny. I'm the predator from Predator, but I also have a raging erection. That way they know I'm a sexual predator. And I'm in a wheelchair on Nickelodeon. (laughs) Because I'm I'm drinking that show. There's so many layers to this costume. It took so much money and time. It's a lot. And I have to explain it every house I bring my kids to. (laughs) (laughs) Even when they don't ask. I'm like, hey, look. Look, I'm Drake. I'm in a wheelchair just chugging a <laughs> bottle of Jack Daniels, and they're like, oh, is that part of the costume? And I'm like, oh, yep. <laughs> yep. It's part of the costume. What's it mean? Oh, dude, I don't know. Just give him, give him fucking candy, dude. Just keeps the voices quiet. Drunk as shit on the front lawn. <laughs> wheelchair on its side. <laughs> Open up. Oh, you're actually paralyzed? No, man. I'm fucking wasted, though. <laughs> I can't walk. <laughs> Used to call me on your cell phone. Where the fuck was I? Well, after reading about old H.H. H. Holmes, Raider began to daydream about turning an old barn or a silo into his own torture chamber. Like I had a castle, you know, middle of downtown Chicago. I'm more of a farm boy. I'd like to torture these people in, you know, like the hayloft. You know, just keep him to my country roots. Okay. He held on to that fantasy well into adulthood and would occasionally sketch out the blueprint of his murder silo. He also began to strangle and hang stray cats in his spare time, according to him, because he read what serial killers did when they were kids. So, 
Did he do it? Yeah, you'd never know with him because it's all coming from his mouth. Yeah. When it came to school, Raider was an absolute shit-tier student who barely passed his classes, and he said that some of his teachers just passed him out of kindness. When he was 17, he was involved in a car accident and smashed his dimple-frowny head into the windshield. He only missed a couple days of school because it was the 60s, and they are like, rub some dirt on it, you fucking pussy, get back to school. But he said his grades got even worse afterward, after he suffered a traumatic brain injury for some reason. Well, they didn't know, dude. <laughs> they couldn't tell with him. <laughs> they were smoking in the car with the windows rolled up and kids in the back. Yeah, no car seats, metal dashboards. Yeah, no seatbelts in the back. He came back to school, and he's just drooling out of the side of his mouth, head tilted over, but he's like choking himself with a little noose and furiously masturbating like, oh, that's, that's just regular old Dennis. Uh, you know, he looks like he's doing fine to me. I wish we would have had some warning signs. <laughs> it's not like he was honest with you. <laughs> it's not like he was a star pupil to begin with, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, you know, it's it's Easter, and he likes playing with those goddamn big-ass Easter eggs that we'd put out that would have <laughs> the grand prize in them that his mom's pantyhose came in. Yeah. You know, he just, they're colorful. They're they're big eggs, just like Easter eggs. Like, who could have seen this coming? Really? <laughs> no one. Who could have seen this no coming? No one. Yeah, he jacked off into them, but <laughs> who wouldn't? Who it was wouldn't? the 60s. Boys were going to be boys, okay? I don't care that he was wearing his cousin's underwear at the time. Then you find out this was his mom's quote and voice. <laughs> and that's when it all starts to make sense. <laughs> well, Dennis said the head injury put his thoughts into a quote, dark spin, end quote, which is like the eighth different explanation he would eventually come up with for why he was the way he was. And that's another reason why I think all this is bullshit. He's just like, you know, I read about serial killers. They had this. Yeah, I got that. I got that too, man. It's crazy. And it was working out. You know, he's like clicking all the symptoms on WebMD. Like, holy shit, I have rectal cancer. I think it's anything to take away from him just being a fucked up person. Yeah. Like, did some of these things play a part? Sure. Yeah. I I bet they probably did. But like you said, it's just everything. Everything that could possibly point to this is what makes a serial killer he's like oh yeah yeah man that that was me that was me (laughs) not just i admit that i'm just a fucked up person that likes fucked up things and yeah has no impulse control i did a couple bad things as a kid i didn't think anything of it and then i started murdering people that's what you want your serial killers to say this is too much man you're laying it on too thick agreed yeah and sometimes it's pretty obvious that he is full of shit For example, he claims the first building he ever broke into was his high school. Raider said he made a dummy that he left in his bed to fool his parents, climbed to the roof of the school, entered through a skylight, and then climbed down a rope like a goddamn ninja. While inside, he went through people's desks and wrote a cryptic message on the blackboard. A message he doesn't actually remember what it said. He's just like, oh yeah, I probably wrote some crazy shit on the blackboard too. What was in there? Does that sound that sounds like a serial killer, right? He would probably write some 
probably I probably did a whole like Zodiac Killer cipher up there, you know. I wrote it in pig's blood. I'm pretty sure. No big yeah. deal. Nobody yeah. can corroborate this story, but and you know I wrote it with pig's blood. No big deal. Oh, I, you know, I, I found a, a pregnant Sharon Tate and I murdered her and then wrote it in her blood on the wall. <laughs> Helter Skelter, wish I could have felt her. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I was still a teenage boy at the time. I was a very horny man. I was a very <laughs> horny man. Yeah. I wanted her That's underwear, it. but she wasn't wearing any, so it kind of ruined the whole fucking thing for me, you know? I'd jack off into goddamn thin air like a barbarian. <laughs> Didn't even have no women's undies to jack off into. It was bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought we were living the modern life in the 60s, but no, this... I thought we were in goddamn Kansas. Everybody's wearing full-bottom panties. <laughs> nope. Apparently not my imagination. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> not imaginary Sharon Tate. <laughs> my imagination? Streaking all day. Ain't wearing no fucking panties. <laughs> bullshit. It makes me really mad. I don't know why I just don't imagine something else, but God damn it. That's just what happens in there. Because <laughs> I got sick thoughts, you see? I'm sick. I'm sick inside the head like a serial killer would be. You get it's because it? I got dropped and it fell off a horse when my mom was pregnant. She was, albeit she was only a week and a half pregnant, but she fell off a fucking horse. I got, I got brain damages. <laughs> brain damages without panties. That's the disappointing part. <laughs> Well, according to Raider, once he wrote his cryptic message in imaginary Sharon Tate's blood, he climbed up the rope and replaced the skylight without leaving a trace. Like fucking grapple hooks and shit. You know this fucking nerd was in gym class and they made him climb the rope back in then in gym class and mm. he couldn't he couldn't fucking do it. No. No fucking that that's why this is a big part of the fantasy. He's like remembering all the kids making fun of him. Cause he's just like Get a foot off the ground. He's like, eh. Eh. Man, he was a portly boy. Yeah, pudgy little fat fuck. Whoa! <laughs> I felt like I got the point across, Chris. I don't Jesus. like this guy. I've made it clear. <laughs> I don't like him. I'm not his advocate, but <laughs> he's a portly boy. <laughs> no need to. No need to hurt his feelings. No need to cross a line. <laughs> Maybe it's people like you. Why he did this. <laughs> it probably was. Egged him on. Raider graduated high school in 1963. He claims around this time, he killed President John F. Kennedy to get his underwear to masturbate into. In 1963? Yeah. I felt like we established that JFK made it through Thanksgiving and, and Christmas <laughs> that year and the Apollo oh, landing. that's right. Yeah. Mm, he did. <laughs> Was it Raider? Oh, no. Oh, no, dude. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. No, and I... Oh, okay, I made it. yeah. He, he never made that claim. I, I just wanted yeah. to dogpile on him. Uh, <laughs> For funsies. Yeah. I wanted to lie about his lying, because it makes me feel powerful, just like it makes him feel powerful. Oh... You take yeah. the power into your own hands. Yeah. Chris is a serial killer. I'm walking Still a dark burnt. road. It's all right. Listening to my dark passenger. No big deal. <laughs> so you mentioned dark passenger. That's one of the things that comes up on that show, Dexter. And I really feel like Dennis Rader wanted to be... If, if Dexter had come out when he was a kid, that's who he would say he was, you know? 
because he's like, oh, he's such a badass. He's so cool. He's got all these terms for things. And he's got like a process and I got a process. I'm just like Dexter. I'm so fucking awesome. Yeah, I definitely feel like Dennis Rader like felt like he was an operative. Like he yeah. was cool doing what he did and he did have all the acronyms and the initializations and yeah. all that. And it was just, and that yeah. leans into the he's smarter than everyone else. You'd be like, oh, yeah, this was one of my PJs. And they're like, what's a PJ, Dennis? <laughs> oh, you don't know what a PJ is. It's fucking pajamas, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> oh, I'm going to strangle you. That's my Dennis Rader. Good one. Uh, yeah, thank you. Excellent point. Continue. Thank you. No, Dennis claims around 1963, he started dating, like, you know, a whole lot of women, including one that was 10 years older than him. But it was all super romantic, you know, 1960s sweetheart stuff. He didn't go the Timothy McVeigh, like, I had sex with the manager of the Burger King. She was older, you wouldn't know her, but she taught me the ways of love. The Burger King bathroom. He was like, no, we just held hands, listened to the Beatles. And she was retarded. No, you cannot say that anymore. You have to say mentally challenged, okay? Well, you could say it in 1963. That's what I'm saying, but he's explaining it now. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. At one point, Dennis bought a nice stereo system and a bunch of records to impress a girl, but she refused to go out with him for some reason. He briefly thought about killing himself, but instead he bitched out and just drew pictures of that girl in bondage. During this time period, Raider became obsessed with other killers. He collected articles and studied the killings by the Boston Strangler, Albert DeSalvo, nurse murdering Richard Speck, and Charles Whitman, who sniped 14 people from the University of Texas clock tower. One man who did not impress Raider was Charles Manson. No, we just joked about it. Raider was appalled that Manson would order the murder of Sharon Tate because she was pregnant at the time. And abortion is murder. In Raider, you know, that's what Raider's saying, you know. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. He went to work at a grocery store in Wichita, Kansas called Leakers. One night he was working alone and decided it would be fun to convince his roommate that he'd been on a hot date. Then he smeared lipstick on his neck and lips and found he really enjoyed putting on cosmetics. That night he drove around town in a horny daze before going home. His friend allegedly believed his story, but the thing Raider took away from it was how much he liked wearing makeup. This kind of gave me the giggles when I was reading this part, because you know he didn't do a good job putting that makeup on himself. There weren't like YouTube tutorials or anything like that. He was just like smearing on his face, and like I imagine pulling up next to a stop sign, you look over and there's like this balding 18-year-old kind of pudgy. He's got, like, lipstick smeared all over his face, and he smiles at you. <laughs> oh, king. Yep, I'm going to go ahead and run this red light real Holy quick. Holy shit. <laughs> Raider attended Wesleyan College, but uh, once again, he was a shit-tier student. Worried that he would soon be drafted in the Army and sent to Vietnam, Raider dropped out of college and joined the Air Force. He was stationed in Okinawa, and began to collect pictures of women that he drew ropes and gags on. He said he finally had sex for realsies when he was 22. It was with an Okinawan prostitute, and Raider said it was, quote, a complete 
disaster, end quote. Fortunately for him, he soon met a prostitute in her early 30s that taught him, quote, good sex, end quote. Dennis left the service and returned to Wichita in August of 1970. Upon his return, his mother introduced him to a girl named Paula Dietz. They soon started dating and became engaged in January of 1971 after having dated for four whole months. Good old long courtship. Really get to know somebody, you know? The, the ins and outs of their mind, their various kinks, you know, what they like to do in their free time. Oh, you're really good with knots, Dennis. <laughs> uh, you better not keep talking about that. i tell you that, Paula. Uh, you've noticed every time I tie my shoes, I get a raging hard on? That's <laughs> that's just for you, baby. That's because I'm, I'm bending down and looking up at your glory. You and God, that's all I see when I look up. <laughs> yes, I tie my shoes in a bowling knot followed by a half hitch. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I, Paula? <laughs> yes, I draw a face on my pinky and shove it in the knot and then watch it turn purple and ejaculate into my pants. Everyone does that in the Air Force, Paula! <laughs> but seriously, shut up, bitch. <laughs> yeah, much business. They wed in May, and Raider went back to school, where he earned his associate's degree in electronics. In early 1973, Dennis got a job at the Cessna Aircraft Company, but was laid off after only nine months. It was then that Raider said he went to the dark side. This is before Star Wars, so he probably came up with that whole thing and George Lucas stole it from him. Just saying. Probably. Raider began what he called projects, or PJs. He would stalk women for weeks, learn their routines, and then plan on killing them, always by strangulation. In late 1973, every one of these projects, which each had their own code names, fizzled out for various reasons, and Raider would back out of his plans and instead fantasize about them and masturbate. All of that changed when Raider started Project Little Mechs. One snowy day, Dennis was driving his wife to work when he spotted Julie Otero and one of her daughters in a station wagon backing out of their driveway. He spent the next several weeks stalking the family and taking notes of their routines. He knew that the husband left for work at 8 a.m. and that the mother, Julie Otero, drove her older children to school at 8.45. His targets were Julie and her 11-year-old daughter, Josie. His plan was to break into their home at 8.20, kill 9-year-old Joey Otero, and then kidnap Julie and Josie. He'd then take him to a barn or a silo where he'd keep them bound before strangling them to death. On January 15, 1974, Raider set his plan into motion, but nothing would go the way he hoped. By the way, not going to be a lot of jokes in this next little part, guys. Just This is the serious... Why do people enjoy this true crime part? Yeah, yeah. Hard to, hard to make the funnies here. That morning, Raider parked his car at a nearby grocery store and then walked to the Otero's house at 803 Edgemore, wearing his green Air Force parka and carrying ropes, gags, a knife, and a twenty-two caliber pistol. And it's important to note here that he does this stupid fucking thing where he says the number three is important to him. So he always finds like some way to tie the number three into his 
killings. And so we have 803 Edgemore. And he'll do this the whole fucking time. And it's just something he's like, oh, I'm so cryptic and clever. You can make three about fucking anything. <laughs> True. He hopped the back fence and cut the Otero's phone line. It was then he saw paw prints in the snow and briefly thought about backing out. But he decided this time he wouldn't be stopped from having what he called SBT, or Sparky Big Time. Of all the serial killers we've covered, I hate this guy the fucking most. Yeah. Makes jokes like us, but... They're not good. He's awful. <laughs> he's... Yeah. Just a piece of shit. Yep. Well, just then, Joey Otero opened the back door. Raider drew his pistol and forced the boy inside, where he was surprised to see that Julie's husband, Joseph, was still home. Joseph had been injured in an accident and was nursing a broken rib. Raider pointed his gun at Joseph and told him, This is a stick-up. Raider told them he was on the run after going AWOL from the Air Force and he just needed money. He forced them into the master bedroom where he began to tie them up one by one. He placed gags made from t-shirts in their mouths and covered their heads with pillowcases. Raider then used his bare hands to strangle Joseph Otero. Once he was satisfied Joseph was dead, he strangled Julie and Josephine Otero. It was then that Joseph Otero began to stir. Uh, it turns out that Raider was a fucking moron who had learned everything about strangling from the movies and he didn't realize he had just rendered the Otero family unconscious. He then put plastic bags over their heads and began to strangle them one by one. Fucking piece of shit. Angry right now. Punch wolf dick right in the fucking face when we get done with this. This is a country for white men. Shut up, wolf dick. You have no power I don't power know here. if I would mess with him, man. <laughs> yeah, he He's has, got a lot of material. He has can a, bury us. Yeah, that's fair enough. Anyway, once Joseph, Julie, Joey, and Josephine Otero were all dead, Raider cleaned up the house, stole a watch and a radio, and then left in the Otero's car. He drove back to his own car, but then he realized he had left his knife at the scene, so he returned to the house and found it near the cut phone line. Raider then drove to the woods, where he burned his notes, sketches, and pieces of the rope he had used to tie the Otero family up. Later that afternoon, the other three Otero children returned home from school and found their parents and Joey dead. They couldn't find 11-year-old Josephine. Police responded to the scene and began to search for clues. As one detective entered the basement, he felt something brush up against his shoulder. When he turned on the light, he discovered a nearly nude Josephine Otero hanging from a noose tied to a heat pipe. Longtime veterans of the Wichita PD Homicide Squad were shocked by what they had found at the home. Their theories ranged from a family member to a jealous lover of Julie, a thief who needed to cover his tracks, to the very far-fetched and sort of kind of racist idea that Joseph Otero, who was Latin, was involved in the drug trade. None of them knew that the man who had killed the Oteros had been a complete stranger who killed them for the sexual thrill of watching someone die. Piece of shit, Dennis Rader had finally realized his fantasies and had killed the Otero family, but he was far from done. He believed he had something called Factor X, which compelled him to kill. 
He also called himself and other killers minotaurs because they were half-men, half-monsters that stalked their prey. And all of that dorky douchebaggery was why he was going to kill again. Wait, he was? Yeah, there's uh, still like six people that got to kill. This, he just got four, dude. Yeah, that's a lot. In my opinion, this is actually the worst murder. But we'll get oh, to the agreed. other one. Agreed. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that, that one's hard to even talk about. But dude, but dude, we got a fake being true crime right now. But oh, the yeah. others are worse, right? Yes. The ones still to come are even more gruesome than this one. True crime. Just like a true crime podcast, we'll now switch the tune and sell you something cheery. You guys like your mattress? Maybe not. Find out after this break. All right, we are back from break. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you had a good one. I know we did. Uh, Greg, usually right now we we dive right into our, what we like to call our second half seltzers. You know, we've had some whiskey. We've been drinking pretty heavily. We want something light. You know, trying to, you know, just kind of ease through the rest of this show. Uh, But before we do that, actually, management gave me a call during the break and said, we have... A new sponsor. Oh, that's this week. Yeah, I thought that was on tap for next week. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. No, no, they they were they were excited. They were ready to go. Uh, it turns out they listened to our last episode and they were like, "Man, this is the show for us." And so they reached out and they said, "We got a few spots we want to run. Um, let's have the backup host do it because it it obviously costs less to have the backup host involved." Because of that, they're going to have a couple spots here in the back half, the exciting half of this episode. But they wanted to sponsor this segment specifically. So go ahead, Wolf Dick. Let's hit the spot. This segment is brought to you by Legs Pantyhose. Whether it's a day in the office, a night out on the town, or you're a closeted cross-dressing astronaut who doesn't want his straight-laced and sexually confused crew members to know that the silky, smooth feel of pantyhose pressing up against your scrotum is the only way that you can feel alive. Legs. It's the pantyhose for you. And it comes in a fun egg. Maybe he's born with it. Maybe it's legs. <laughs> it's very specific targeting advertising. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, they, uh, they must have listened to our last episode. <laughs> they did. Uh, but they do have a couple more spots coming up. Uh, I, I do oh. apo- I apologize for selling out, guys. But uh, we got to make ends meet somehow. You know? Oh, I don't. Fuck that, dude. <laughs> Give me all the money you got. <laughs> but since they sponsored it, let's go ahead and pop the tops on our second half seltzers. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half And three, two, one, pop your tops. All right. Well, that was very refreshing, and we thank Legs for sponsoring that once again. Greg, main host, best host, are you ready to tell these people the second half of this story of BTK? Can't hardly wait. 
Like the movie in the late oh, yeah. 90s, remember? Oh, yeah, I love that movie. I actually saw that movie. Amanda. A <laughs> it did not age well. <laughs> it's not. Because I watched it like back in high school era mm-hmm. for me. And uh, I was like, this is the fucking best movie ever. Not like critically, but I was like, this movie's so fun. It speaks to me. And then I watched it like five years ago or something like that. And I was like, this is an awful movie. <laughs> this is objectively bad. The only thing I remember that movie is that one dude who came back from college and told him the one piece of advice was to wear flip flops in the showers at college because his feet were all warty. It's really the only thing I remember from that movie. And I don't remember that. Can't hardly wait. Get it on Check VHS it out. today. <laughs> Brought to you by Can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> all right. In the spring of 1974, Raider began Project Lights Out, in which the target was a 21-year-old woman named Catherine Bright. He had spotted her one day as he was driving his wife to lunch and soon began stalking her and learning her habits. He soon found that she lived alone at 2317 East 13th Street. There's that number three again. See, it's in there. Apollo 1313. Hmm. Oh, it's just, it's so hard for him to find the three. He has to work really hard to find some sort of three in every killing. He does, he does. At this time, Raider was a student at Wichita State University, home of the Shockers. Being a student allowed him to tell his wife he was studying at the library when he was actually stalking women. On April 4th, 1974, his plan was to knock on Catherine Bright's door, pretending to be a student looking for a tutor. When she didn't answer the front door, he smashed through the glass of the back door and hid inside the house. Catherine arrived home shortly thereafter, but she wasn't alone. Her brother Kevin had come home with her. Oh. Or maybe it was a stepbrother. <laughs> and this is Pornhub. What are you doing, stepbrother? <laughs> they were discussing uh, racial diversity, because it was still a hot-button issue at that time. You it know? really was. Yes. This is a country for white men. God damn it. <laughs> Christopher. Do you want to repeat that? This is a country for white men. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you cut it again? <laughs> I didn't do a goddamn thing. You found it in another place? I've said it twice. <laughs> you know, once is a mistake, twice is a habit. <laughs> Developing a fucking pattern here. I don't like me. I want to cancel me. <laughs> Unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, anyway, her, so her brother Kevin was unexpectedly there. <laughs> as soon as they entered the house, Raider confronted them and told them he was wanted in California and he just needed money. It was then that Mr. Bind, Torture, Kill realized he hadn't brought anything to tie people up with. He forced them into the bedroom where he ordered Kevin to tie his sister up with her own pantyhose. You, grab that egg over there. No. Open it up. All right. And it costs us our sponsorship. You be careful. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, sorry. Well, Dennis Rader then led Kevin into another bedroom and tied him up. That's when his plans went to shit once more. Rader tied them up, but Kevin broke free. Rader shot him in the face. Then Kevin broke free again. Rader shot him in the face again. He then began to strangle Catherine, but she fought and resisted so much that he stabbed her 11 times in the back. It was then that he realized that Kevin, who had been shot in the face two fucking times, had gotten up and run out the door to get help. Raider grabbed a couple pairs of Catherine's underwear and fled through the back door. 
He's like, fuck, the jig is up. He starts leaving. He's like, oh, he opens the drawer and grabs a handful and <laughs> sniffs them and shoves them in his pocket and runs away like a caper, you know? Yeah, but he's like sorting through them. Like, oh, not those, not, not those. No, those oh, are. Oh, these are the period panties. No, those no. Those are obviously what she wears on laundry day. <laughs> oh, look at this nice thong number. <laughs> I mean, dude, a thong in the 70s? Oh, yeah. That's racist. He's, he would probably nut instantly. <laughs> he would have. There's nothing that could make you do that now. Nut instantly? Yeah. Like, thanks to the internet, mm-hmm. like, that item that you could find no longer exists. To where you're just immediately like, oh, my God. That's Like, true. finding a dildo for the first time. You're like, oh, <laughs> fit in my butt. You know? <laughs> now, there's nothing. I don't know. Everything we, has been seen. If we get 10 new Patreon listeners from this episode, I'll probably nut instantly. Mm. I'm a whore, Greg. Looks like you'll be staying a chaste boy this week. <laughs> <laughs> or will he? We'll put it on the Patreon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That'd be a weird thing to put on the Patreon. Will but... Chris come? Tune in on the Patreon. <laughs> it's just two side-by-side shots. One is just on your flaccid penis, and one is on the mystery number that I have to pull back and reveal of Patreon (laughs) subscribers that we got in that week. (laughs) Don't let the people down, Chris. When police arrived, Catherine was able to tell them her name and age before falling unconscious. She would be rushed to the hospital, where she would die in surgery. Kevin Bright miraculously survived the two gunshot wounds to his head and was able to provide police with a description but he described a very generic white man in a city full of very generic white men. And Raider and his family actually lived in the nearby suburb of Park City, so his description wasn't super helpful at all. But still, shot in the face twice, survived, got help. You know what, that's pretty metal, Greg. Might be our metal moment of the week. Metal moment, indeed. Yeah, I think it was with a twenty-two, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was My Blue Heaven with Steve Martin. I think everybody this day and age knows that movie from the late 80s with Rick Moranis, where Steve Martin plays a mob informant in the Witness Protection Program. But he said they would get shot with a... Oh, okay. Sorry. It's a good movie. I'm a man, Dad. Steve Martin's a treasure, and you're going to miss sorry. him when he's gone. That's all I'm saying. What? I, I'm sorry I fell asleep. No, it's fine. It's My fine. Bad. Continue, My continue bad. your story about murder and shit. <laughs> Soon after the Bright killing, three men in jail took credit for the murder of the Otero family. Police soon figured out they were full of shit, but their story leaked into the local paper, the Wichita Eagle. Dennis Rader saw this, and he was fucking pissed that someone was taking credit for his work. A few days later, a columnist received a phone call saying that he had left a note about the Otero murders in a book in the public library. This narcissistic piece of shit. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it'll be his downfall. Who knows? I don't. Oh, me either. Me either. Wolfdick gave us this outline. (laughs) This is news (laughs) to us, guys. Uh, We don't read these things. I have no No fucking clue what's going to happen. 
That part where we talk about reading two books, oh, it's all fucking lies. I watch a 10-minute oh, yeah. YouTube video and stretch this shit out with dick jokes and secret truths about my marriage. <laughs> but I'm just playing a character, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I'll tell them. None of this is real. <laughs> the letter was recovered and given to the police. In the letter, Raider described in fairly disgusting detail how he murdered the Oteros. It was full of misspellings and grammatical errors. In closing, Raider said, The code words for me will be bind them, torture them, kill them. BTK. You see, he at it again. They will be on the next victim. The police ran stories in the paper encouraging Raider to call them, but he didn't respond. He was too busy with his new job, installing security systems for ADT. The perfect cover. The perfect way to fucking scope out little... Little cases, you know? Little BTK cases. BT cases. <laughs> oh, I love a good word combination. You got me, you son of a bitch. His wife soon gave birth to their first child, a son named Brian. Shout out to Brian Raider, Patreon subscriber since day one. How you doing, buddy? I would love to have that last name. That is such a cool last name. Brian Raider. Yes, I would be Greg Brian Raider. <laughs> no, Raider, goddammit. <laughs> My name's Greg Raider, insurance agent to the stars. No, it'd be Brian Raider. Oh, okay. Greg Sorry. Brian Raider. <laughs> I raid Brian's for a living. It's just a last name, dude. If your last name's Cooper, you're not making fucking barrels. I would. If it's would. Smith, you're not like an actual blacksmith. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's how it works, in my family at least. That's why us uh, male prostitutes are doing grid. You know, it was my dad, Jim male prostitute, and me, Chris male prostitute. Chris McPodcaster. <laughs> no, I'm not good at that. That's not, that's <laughs> definitely not my Podcasting's my middle name. <laughs> I changed it in court. It costs like $105. Chris podcasting herpes mouth. Nice. Very nice. Well, it'd be three years before Raider fell under the spell of his bullshit Factor X and decided to kill again. On March 17th, 1977, he put on a suit and stuffed his briefcase full of weapons and bindings. He then drove to a neighborhood and pretended to be a detective looking for a lost boy. He had two targets in mind, but neither of them were home. It was then that he spotted a little boy going into his house. He figured the boy's mother had to be home, so he knocked on the door. The boy answered and let Raider inside, where he found two other small children. Their mother, Shirley Vian, came to the door and appeared to be sick. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. Just backs out. Puts his shirt over his mouth. No, 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 no. If only. If only. This fucking piece of shit. She was an anti-vaxxer, dude. You can't, no, let's not, no, we're not going there, we're not going to do that. We're not going to attack this poor lady. I'm the dude. I didn't say whether that was a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> well, Raider pulled his gun on old anti-vax Shirley Vian and told the same story about being on the run from the law. And that he was a QAnon shaman. <laughs> this time he said he also had a sex fantasy to fulfill. And he was going to rape Shirley. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to murder you. I'm just going to rape you. And she's like, 
okay, fine, let's get this shit over with so I can call he, the police. He, he pulls out a condom and she's like, no, 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 no. I'm anti-vax. I don't like protection. <laughs> oh, this poor lady, Greg. I know, stop. these are horribly out of touch, un- insensitive jokes, I'm sorry. <laughs> Under orders from Raider, she helped her three children into the bathroom. I, now I feel really bad. Yeah. Like, literally the next sentence is about her fucking having to kids. corral her kids. God damn yeah. it. <laughs> I hate me. As much as you hate me, listener, <laughs> get in line. I hate me more. Yeah, you can't even compare, you fucking idiots. I'll be signing autographs at the front of that line. <laughs> Raider tossed some toys and blankets into the bathroom and then blocked the door. He then led Shirley into her bedroom where he bound her wrists and legs. Raider then put a plastic bag over her head and tied a cord around her neck and strangled Shirley Vine to death while her children screamed for him to stop in the nearby bathroom. He thought about killing the children too, but the phone rang and Raider was worried it might be someone that would actually come check on the family. He took two pairs of Shirley's underwear and ran out the back door. The kids managed to pry the bathroom window open and run for help, but their description of Raider was unreliable. Still, the police realized that Shirley's murder was related to the Oteros. There was a serial killer on the loose in Wichita. And I do want to point out something, because I think some people might get it twisted, because he killed a young girl in his first killings with the Oteros. This was not about sex so much as having sex with the victims. It was him getting off watching someone else be bound and die. Like, you know, it didn't matter who it was. Right, right. And so, like, going forward, he's going to kill some people that don't line up with the same, like, demographical group. You're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And a lot of it's it's just him. Like, he just wants to watch somebody tied up for the most part. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, they don't have a good description of this dude because it's just a white guy. And especially in that part of the country. This is a country for white men. Damn it. You know, so... Would you like to rephrase that, Chris? This is a country of white men. Okay, <laughs> God, I well, so drunk in the second one. <laughs> this is a country of white men. <laughs> like someone caught me at a bar, releasing my innermost feelings. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I like you. <laughs> I like you a whole lot. You're one of the good ones. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry? Okay. <laughs> All of this is out of context. Please do not sue or cancel me. I feel like I need that disclosure every goddamn time. How would time. you be sued? You were quoting Andrew Jackson. Johnson? Johnson. Andrew Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, he was the bad one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're both bad in different ways, but... He was the overtly <laughs> racist one. He really was. <laughs> oh. Wolf Dick, you son of a bitch. Where did that second one come? Was that last episode, like, me laughing about it or something? <laughs> Well, the next victim came on December 8th, 1977. Nancy Fox was a woman that Raider had spotted working at Hellsburg Diamonds and became obsessed with. That day, he broke into her home and waited for her. When she arrived, Raider told her that he only wanted to rape her, not kill her. Nancy followed his commands, and everything went exactly as Raider had planned it. He bound her and strangled her with pantyhose, masturbated into one of her nightgowns, stole a few of her belongings, and then left the scene. 
He was so confident that he had done everything right that he went outside and reported the homicide from a nearby payphone. And would that phone call lead to his capture? We'll find out right after this break from our sponsor. This segment is also brought to you by Legs Pantyhose. We'd like to remind you that pantyhose go on your legs and they aren't for murdering innocent women. That's why we fucking named it Legs. Well, that and the egg, which we actually discontinued in the 1990s to be more environmentally conscious because we care. We fucking care! Sure, our strong fibers and run-free technology would make our pantyhose perfect for tying people down and murdering them without fear of escape, but we're saying don't do that. <laughs> Just fucking don't. Legs pantyhose. What's in your legs? <laughs> it's not called next pantyhose, <laughs> right? But those strong fibers, boy. They're so reliable. So good. It's Jeez. weird that they sent us these these pieces of copy before they even knew what happened in the story. It's crazy. I mean, I think the uh I think the brain children at Legs could probably research this story and and know the outcome and what happens. No, no one can do that but us. Your counterpoint? No. <laughs> okay, <laughs> accepted. <laughs> In January of 1978, Raider wrote out a really shitty poem about the murder of Shirley Vion. When his wife found him writing it, she questioned him. But he said, Oh, that's for school. We're studying the BTK murders in criminology. I hope that voice was consistent with the last voice I gave him. I don't remember. It was. It was very accurate. Yes. End quote. <laughs> he, he actually said all that in two different voices. He did. It was weird he was talking about himself like that. But anyway, <laughs> she bought the lie because she was a fucking dumb bitch. Really dumb. Like, it's a criminology class. Why are you writing poems in fucking criminology? Yeah. He sent the poem to the Wichita Eagle. They believed it was a classify ad, but it didn't have any money attached, so they filed it away. Yeah, it was around Valentine's. I thought it was like a love letter to somebody. And it's talking about, like, strangling and murdering a lady in front of her children. But, you know, at the same time, they're like, oh, well, everybody's got their kink, I guess. But there's no money attached, so fuck you, guy. Raider was furious that no one was publishing his totally awesome poetry. He wrote another poem titled, Oh, Death to Nancy, and attached it to a letter that he sent to the local TV station. In this letter, Raider talked about how mad he was that no one had published his Shirley poem, how he wanted national news attention, and how much he admired and was like other famous serial killers, including Ted Bundy. At the end, he did the always cool thing of suggesting his own nicknames. Hey man, I know I'm new in town, but my friends call me Big Steve. <laughs> okay, we're going to call you Little Bitch Steve then. I thought you said your name was Doug. <laughs> they call me Big Steve. Like I said, they call me Big Steve. They call me Big Sparky. Please ask what Sparky is. Please. Please. <laughs> Why Sparky? Oh, because that's what my penis is called. <laughs> Unbelievable. I hate this guy. I do too. The list included the BTK Strangler, Wichita Strangler, Poetic Strangler, the Wichita Executioner, the Asphyxiator, and Garot Phantom. A garot being the thing that, like... It's got like two handles on it and fucking wire or string or whatever that you. It's basically made to strangle. That's what spies use. Like they pull yeah, it out. It's got like, the oh, handle on so either cool. side. Yeah. This guy desperately wanted to be cool. And I'm not going to lie. 
the Wichita Executioner, the Asphyxiator. Those are kind of badass nicknames, but you knew it was for a giant nerd when he says the Garot Phantom. That's pretty whack. <laughs> I do think it's, I don't think funny is the right word, but they were calling this dude the BTK killer. And the like K Bind, for- torture, kill, killer. It's like ATM machine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of those. The police finally went public with the news that there was a serial killer in Wichita, and that's precisely when Raider decided to stop killing for a while. He continued to stalk women, but just couldn't find the time or energy to be a murdering piece of dog shit. Like, I get the feeling like this is just him bragging about shit. Like, every time he saw a girl on the street, he's like, yeah, I'm stalking her right now. Oh, she went in the store. Okay, well, I'm not stalking her anymore. I was going to kill her, but I'm not going to. Oh, look at that barista. I'm stalking. Oh, she called my name. My coffee's ready. I'm not I'm done stalking her. I could have killed her, though. I could have done it. <laughs> oh, I'm evil. <laughs> I'm a bad boy. I'm the fucking Garot Phantom. <laughs> Hear me roar. <laughs> but it's, you know, that's in his head. And realize yeah. I'm the Grant Phantom. I, don't, I can't really keep up with the voices I've given this. Thank you this for my off. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't order. Th- okay, I, never mind. I'm, I'll just walk away. I, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I didn't order, okay, here, order this. Here's a tip. I'm, I'm sorry for the inconvenience. <laughs> I totally could have killed you, though. <laughs> I'm going to write the people in the papers how I could have killed you. <laughs> I'm writing on this little piece of paper right now. And I'm going to pull this plastic egg out of my back pocket, and I'm going to put this note inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd. Well, so instead of being a murdering piece of dog shit, he would wait for his wife to leave the house, get dressed up in women's lingerie, and bind himself. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I mean, it's whatever. It's not my thing, I, pro- I promise. <laughs> I promise. You guys believe me, right? They do. You know, it's not my thing, but hey, it's not hurting anyone. Mm-hmm. We need to not shame this this man or, you know, maybe men that have similar fantasies. My penis is so small, it doesn't even stretch out the underwear. What does that mean? Well, nothing. Um, I was just saying that's what he was probably thinking when he put her lingerie and underwear on. He was like, yo, my penis is so small. Probably doesn't even stretch out her underwear. She'll never know. If I just put it back in the drawer before she gets home, she won't find out about it. She won't divorce me. I won't have to live in a boarding house with all these other perverts. You know, Sounds that's very probably similar to your current situation. No, I don't, I don't see the connection. I don't think it's related at all. I had a buddy, you know, back in high school. Dude had a fucking massive bulge. It's like, oh, man. And that's when, you know, everybody's peak caring about penis size, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude had a big bulge. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But, uh, you know, it turns out it was just because the penis was sticking straight out because it didn't oh. make it over, over the hump of the balls. Oh, man. And that so poor guy. It, it, it made the, this is a made up story. <laughs> this There's is about no actual me. poor man. I know who this is about. God damn it! <laughs> we weren't friends in high school. You pulled up my underwear, called me a fucking nerd, and slapped me in the face in high school. I was the nerd in high school. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I was the nerd. To I'm just the a nerds. fucking alpha bully now, Chris. <laughs> and it's only to you. I still get beat up by people all the time. 
But I found somebody that I can abuse. You show up at work and someone beats you up and takes your lunch money. Like, God damn it again. <laughs> I'm sorry. Call me daddy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, daddy. <laughs> I can see your bulge through your panties. Uh, I'm sorry. It's just it's just sticking straight out. I didn't know. They go to give you a wedgie as an adult, <laughs> but you got a whale tail hanging out. <laughs> oh, you thought we were bullying you before, huh? Joke's on them. It's just a tiny piece of fabric at that point. Who cares? It's already given me a wedgie. <laughs> yeah. It's made to give me a wedgie. <laughs> it's holding my butt plug in. Thank you so much, sir. This is how you embrace your trauma. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hurt me anymore. I hurt myself. <laughs> I'm dead inside. But the butt plug is dead in, inside of me. Yeah, it's an organic butt plug. Some call it a hamster. Ooh, the wheels have shot off. Where are we? What are we even talking about? Oh, oh, right, BTK. Right. Yeah. Happy Halloween. Well, Mr. Raider Cucklestein would even rig up a way to remotely take Polaroids of himself tied and gagged that he could masturbate to later. Peak narcissism. You're just jacking off to yourself. Oh, is that not normal? You're not... Okay. Well, you got to squint your eyes at least. This dude was straight jacking with eyes wide open. <laughs> i got to pretend that's another dude. Yeah. It's more ripped than me. <laughs> just imagine a bigger wiener. That gets me going too. His wife actually caught him a couple times, and both times she threatened to leave him. But he promised to stop and said it was only his weird fetish. He never stopped. He just started traveling for work and would bind himself in his room in what he called motel parties. He also had clippings of women from lingerie ads and his writings and journals about his murders that he hid in various places that he called hidey holes. What a fucking nerd. Hidey hole. What are you, my fucking grandma, Dennis Rader? It's like Al Borland is out murdering people. That fucking nerd. <laughs> Al Borland. Is that Home Improvement? Home Improvement. The bearded guy. who's <laughs> always on the Tim. The hero. He's doing something. What commercials is he's doing these days? Where he I looks exactly the same. Was it? He used to do Craftsman Tools. I don't know what he does now. He does something now. And he <laughs> still it, looks the same. A reverse like this mortgage. dude has never had a beer in his life. <laughs> it's probably reverse mortgage Something that appeals to the olds Yeah I've been thinking about getting one of those Because I'm going to die pretty soon And my kid's not getting shit So if I get the most money out of this house If there's one thing I love It's the exploitation of the elderly mm. <laughs> mm. Nothing gets me going dude Nothing gets me going <laughs> Exploitation of the elderly mm -hmm. Only second place To homeless people dying <laughs> I'm not laughing at that. Those two things. I reject my Woo! laugh. I take my <laughs> laugh back. But Dennis Rader's a piece of shit. See? He is a piece of and shit. And by contrast, I'm a good guy. He is a piece of shit. He kept all his secrets in hidey holes. Um, and I've just been contacted by Legs Pantyhose, and they have something to say about this. Wolf Dick. Okay, there are some rumors... The Dennis Raider used our patented eggshell packaging to store some of his murder souvenirs. 
He tied himself up using our space-age nylon fibers during his creepy masturbatory sessions. Legally, we cannot deny it, but that's just because we don't know for sure. But hey, it's not our fault that we make a fabulous product that people want to use. We're not defending the BTK killer per se, we're just saying that if you want to wrap a pair of our sheer stockings around your throat and cut off your air supply to the point that you ejaculate into a freshly dug shallow grave while taking photos of yourself, that's your business and we cannot stop you. Legs pantyhose, mm. please stop sending us mean tweets. I love that they give you agency and they don't keep shame. You know what? That's They're all about inclusivity. Is that a word? Inclusivity? Inclusivity. <laughs> I don't know if that's what you said. Inclusivity is a word. That's that's what I said, yes. That, oh, that yeah, word. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm glad I pre-produced that bit because I'm drunk now. <laughs> Thank you, Legs. Yeah. Thank you. Once again. I'm now seeing the contract. We uh we don't get any money, Chris. Oh no, they asked us to pay them. It didn't uh didn't Well apparently what we're getting is when they did the whole, we're stepping away from the plastic egg thing, mm -hmm. they already had a bunch of pre-produced ones. Okay. And we're getting three boxes of those. Sweet. Yes. Why only three boxes? God, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the rest are just going into landfills. Like, come on. I had so many delusions of grandeur about this podcast, and now we're paying shipping on three boxes of fucking plastic eggs they couldn't use because they started being more environmentally friendly. They don't even come with the pantyhose. It's just the egg. God. <laughs> anyway. Dennis also began to focus on his home life. By 1980, he had graduated from Wichita State. He had two kids and was a rising figure in his local church. In 1983, Raider's son Brian joined the Cub Scouts, and Raider became a scout leader. So pretty par for the course character was, you know. <laughs> he might not be fisting a kid in a tent, but... Jesus. He's still, a, he's still a fucked up individual. <laughs> Mr. Raider, why do you always get tight in the pants every time you tie down a tent? Shut up. Mind your fucking business. <laughs> Put on these pantyhose. <laughs> he's doing all sorts of crazy knots. He's not a square knot type of dude. He's doing fucking bowlings, hitches, and, you know, figure eight through the bite. He's doing all that shit. He's mm, getting hard in a rock. It's been like... 12 weeks of Boy Scouts, and the other dads are like, are we ever going to learn anything else besides fucking knots? What is this guy doing? Like, he always, like, shows our kids how to do it, and he disappears for 10 minutes and comes back wearing a woman's mask and pantyhose, and he's like, oh, what I miss, guys? <laughs> he's just sitting there fanning Polaroid pictures, you know, getting them to develop. We don't know what he's been off doing. He's just, he doesn't let us see him. <laughs> Well, things were going pretty great for him, and he was doing a good job of keeping his fantasies at bay. But then in 1985, the darn old Factor X took over once more. On April 26th, Raider was at a Cub Scout camp. He told everyone he had a headache and was going to lie down, but instead he ran to his car and drove away. Just like my fucking wife. Says she has a headache and doesn't, she's not in the mood, and then gets in her car and drives away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who knows where she goes? <laughs> uh, she comes home like two hours later, makeup smeared. <laughs> yeah. 
bunch of empty legs, pantyhose, containers. I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> Is my wife BTK? Find out. <laughs> we already told you. Damn it. Is your wife Dennis Raider? <laughs> Maybe. I don't... I don't, I don't know, know anymore. She, I know what her hobbies are. We don't talk. We just <laughs> we just turn on the office and look at our phones on the couch. You know. <laughs> well, Dennis went to a bowling alley where he splashed beer on himself and called a cab under the guise that he was too drunk to drive. Like you could just say you're too drunk to drive. You don't have to smell like beer. Oh, this whole thing's stupid. This whole fucking thing is us is idiot's idea of a smart alibi. Right. And the reason I say that, what if somebody says, well, I saw Dennis Rader. He was at the bowling alley getting drunk, and uh, obviously he couldn't have done it. And then the Cub Scouts were like, well, he was at the camp. He just had a headache. He went to lay down. He was d- putting tents up and then decided to show us different ligature uh, <laughs> knots. Yeah. He tied a noose. And hung a cat for some reason. He said, this is how all the serial killers he do it. tied a noose, and then he said, this is a country for white men. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> no! No! <sighs> I didn't say it. <laughs> I had a point. Just continue. I don't care anymore. I've been canceled. I've been fired off this show. It's going to be you and... <laughs> Robot voice wolf dick from here on out. The cab took Raider back to his own neighborhood. This time, the victim was going to be one of his Park City neighbors, 53-year-old Marine Hedge. Raider snuck across the field behind his home and into Hedge's backyard. Once there, he cut her phone line and he hid in her house. Hedge soon arrived home with a man, but Raider waited for the man to leave before he attacked Marine. He strangled her manually. Then, Raider put her in her car and drove to his church where he had set up black plastic sheets. He dressed her, bound her, and took Polaroids of her body. He would say that he didn't use the altar because he, quote, still had respect for God's house, end quote. Oh, okay. Okay, you're still respecting God. Those Ten Commandments, whatever, but at least I didn't Mm -hmm. do it in the altar. I don't have respect for his rules. I have respect for his house. Yeah, it's like me and my dad, you know? (laughs) Just bringing back young, hairless Latino men to his house. Like, his rules were, none of that. Please stop doing that in front of me, but whatever. But when he said, not in my house, I'm like, okay, fine. We'll go outside. Go in the backyard. (laughs) I'm still doing it in front of you. It makes it more thrilling when we do it at a children's park, okay? At 3 p.m. <laughs> right as school's letting out. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. That's bad. Raider then took her to a secluded area and left her body in a ditch and parked her car a few blocks away from the bowling alley. In 1986, Raider stalked and murdered Vicki Wurgle in her home while he was on his lunch break. She was found by her husband, who had witnessed Raider driving away in Vicky's car. Police still assumed that her husband was the suspect, and it took some time before they connected her murder to BTK. They were also able to recover an unknown male's DNA from underneath her fingernails. Yeah, this poor bastard shows up home. His wife is dead. He pulls her out from where she's found, like, next to her bed. 
and then he's trying to resuscitate her. The ambulance shows up. The ambulance moves her even further into the living room. And so there's no photos of the crime scene. That's very important to note going forward. And this poor bastard, he's the number one suspect. And he refuses to cooperate with police, understandably, because they treat him like shit. He's like, no, fuck you guys. I'm done talking to you. And that uh, it kind of hems up the investigation for a while. But uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Raider went quiet for a while, but in January of 1991, he pretended to have a headache and snuck out of another Boy Scout camp and went to the home of 62-year-old Dolores Davis. He strangled her and then hid her body under a bridge. A few days later, he drove back to where he had dumped her and posed her decomposing corpse for pictures. To, quote, pretty her up, he placed a painted porcelain mask over her face. It was one he himself had worn during his dress-up motel parties. Ugh. I don't know why that makes it more uncomfortable. And then, Dennis Rader stopped killing. He'd gotten a job as a code compliance officer and loved having control over people and annoying them about little shit. You know, like the height of their grass and the length of their dog leashes. He proudly earned the nickname Little Hitler. I don't know. Anytime you're proud of that nickname, I feel like you've maybe gone off the rails in life. Yeah. Well, it's like I always said about Germany, though. This is a country for white men. You're welcome, Wolf Dick. I just set that up for you. Thank you for knocking it out of the park. Thank you. Unbelievable. People did seem to notice that he was particularly harsh towards the women, and even told one of them he'd stop ticketing her for her loose dog if she dumped her boyfriend. When she refused, Raider seized the dog and had it put down. All right. This guy's a piece of shit. I am decided. I've called it. This is what it took. Strong podcast editorial opinion. Not the Otero murders or. What's a dog ever done to deserve this? His dog's just living his life, man. Not his fault. Noted. (laughs) Noted. I mean, you are the same guy that said... This is a country of white men. (laughs) Several times. So drunk. It sounds so drunk. This gun for me. Well, I mean, you said it yourself. Jeffrey Dahmer would get drunk, and look what he did. He wasn't (laughs) a good person. Are you? No. I'm fantastic. I'm a great person. I just have strong opinions when I'm drunk. I just like to give Andrew Johnson quotes to the public when I'm drunk. Okay. Well, <clears throat> anyway, so in 2004, fired. the Wichita Eagle ran a... This is a country a... for white men. Dude, <laughs> we get it. In 2004, the Wichita God Eagle ran a story man. about the 30th anniversary of the Otero family murders and theorized that BTK had died or was in jail for some other crimes. Dennis Rader couldn't fucking help himself and wrote a letter to the article's author under the name Bill Thomas Kilman. <laughs> I'm so clever. It's BTK. <laughs> BTK. Yeah, yeah. These fucking idiots. Included with the letter were photos of the Vicky Wurgle crime scene, which the police had not taken. He also wrote a code on top that he said was very simple to crack, but later even he would forget how to solve it and would just tell the officers it was a message to a man writing a book about BTK. He continued to leave messages and packages for the press and police even as his church elected him as vice president of their council. 
On one occasion, he was spotted on surveillance video driving his son's black Jeep Grand Cherokee, but police couldn't get the plate number. Raider's big fuck-up came in one of his letters when he asked the police if he sent them a floppy disk instead of a letter. Could they trace it? And again, this is 2004, and he wants to send a floppy disk. What an old man boomer piece of shit this guy is. Mm-hmm. Send a CD. Send it, send it, send it on Google Mail, man. Like, it's 2004. You got lots of options. Mm, Google Mail? I don't know. I don't think so. You don't know? I don't know. When did Gmail start? When did Gmail start? April 1st, 2004! Fuck! Woo! Fuck! Fuck! (laughs) I just said I don't know for the record. I didn't say no. (laughs) That's true. Fuck you! You don't fucking talk to me when I say something. I've read six books on Gmail, motherfucker, just for this episode. Just to punk your ass out. <sighs> well, after asking them if a floppy disk could be traced, you know, of course they told him no. He told them to reply in the personals and address him as Rex because <laughs> it rhymed with sex. He's such this a genius. Cuck. So coded. Piece so, it's of so shit. Secret codes that only Dennis Rader could understand, you know? That's what I hate about him. He thought he was a mastermind, and he was so fucking stupid. He's so stupid. so long to get caught. Anyway, the police immediately responded and said, Oh, yeah, you know, it's totally safe. Just do it. <laughs> you fucking idiot. And uh, Raider sent him a floppy disk that contained a deleted document from the Christ Lutheran Church, which had been typed up by someone named Dennis. A Google search... And I know Google existed. I just was the Gmail claim was dubious. Gmail. Listener, yeah. if you're on Chris's side, go fucking. Anyway, the Google search identified Dennis Rader as the vice president of the church council. When they searched the church computer, they found he had used it to type several of his BTK messages. When they drove by his home, they saw a black Jeep Grand Cherokee. Hmm. Hmm. They had an FBI profile that said the suspect would be a normal-looking dude with a military background in some sort of security or police-related job. And after that, the FBI found his daughter's pap smear sample at her college and compared her DNA to the DNA found at the Otero, Fox, and Wurgle crime scenes. It was a familial match. When the police came for Raider, he surrendered without a fight, even though he later said if they hadn't surprised him, he would have shot his way out like a goddamn movie hero. I think he was on his lunch break, right? Yeah, he was driving his car from... I think he went home to get lunch, and then he was driving back to work, and they stopped him. And he just uh, complied. Yeah. yeah, Okay, big man. Oh, no, I would have took them all. I was doing like this this stuff in my house. There was like six of them. If there had only been five, I would have roundhoused one. Yeah, And then pulled out my gun and pow, pow, pow. But there was too many. He confessed to being BTK and told them about all of his murders, even the ones they hadn't linked to BTK. He pled guilty to murder and was sentenced to 145 years in prison, with no chance of parole. In the end, one of the most evil men to ever walk the face of the earth was taken down by his inability to stop being a complete and total dork. And as we say each and every Halloween, there's no lesson here other than true crime is gross. 
and you're all sick for listening to this. End of story. Woo! We did it! Told that story. I've just received a message from management. We have lost legs, pantyhose, as a sponsor. <laughs> of course. Every week, every every time we get a sponsor, they're like immediately out. I don't understand what their fucking problem is. It's like one of our 11-year-old listeners. Like their uncle or dad or somebody is an executive in legs. And they're like, hey, you should sponsor this this podcast. <laughs> they're They're talking about y'all. Like, all right, let's do it. They didn't listen to a single episode, otherwise <laughs> they never would have got on board, you know? Yeah. But once they spent money, then they listen, and they're like, yeah. what have you done to me? We'll have them to Subway and Little Caesars. <laughs> who knows who will sponsor the next episode, but for now... The whole graveyard. Yep. We have four more things to add to the Legs-sponsored episode, and we call those... The Fast Facts. Fast Fact number one. Raider found strangling people to be much, much harder than he had expected. He stated after murdering the Oteros, his hand ached for days. As a result, he purchased a stress ball that said, quote, Life is hard, end quote, and used it every day to strengthen his grip. Fast fact number two. One potential victim in 1979 was 63-year-old Anna Williams. In April of that month, Raider cut her phone line, broke into her home, and waited. But Anna didn't come home that night. A few weeks later, she received a package containing her own stolen jewelry and a poem titled, Oh, Anna, why didn't you appear? Fast fact number three. The Wichita police had multiple task forces designed to catch BTK. Somewhat fittingly, they also dorkily named these units things like the Hot Dog Squad and the Ghostbusters. The task force that finally took him down in 2004 was a combination of Wichita PD, Kansas Bureau of Investigation agents, and FBI agents, but they decided not to come up with a super cool name this time. Fast fact number four. The packages Raider left for the police in 2004 included items from the crime scenes that Raider had stolen and Barbie dolls that were bound or placed in nooses. One was left in a post-Toasties cereal box, another in a Special K cereal box. Raider thought this was hilarious because he was a serial killer. The T in Toasties and the K in Special K made up two-thirds of his killer identity. The third box was going to contain a bomb, making the B in BTK. What a fucking dork. I'm glad we caught him. He's done. Piece Fuck. of shit. Loser piece of shit. Well, we thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. We'll be back next time with some actual history. You know, things that have importance to humanity, not just some garbage piece of shit human who studied other serial killers and thought, you know what? Wouldn't be that good. In the meantime, you can find us at hundredproofhistory.com. There you'll find a link to our Patreon for just $3 a month. Gets you access to early episodes, bonus mini episodes. We're up to 61 of those. And 39 old episodes you can hear nowhere else. 
You can also check us out at 100 Proof History on all your social media platforms where we post memes, things related to our story, stuff like that. You know, just stuff enjoyable to get you through the dark times between releases. But that is it. That is all we have for this week. For myself, Chris, your sexy co-host, for Dan Dan the Intraman, for Wolf Dick, who has hung me out to dry so many times during this episode, we thank you for listening, and we ask main host, best host, ultimate host, fancy feast of hosts, Greg, what else? Like you talked about in between releases, um, the darkest times. I just want to speak on that for a moment. I know a lot of times, us particularly politically and stuff like that, we we can start to get into our own little little groups, and that is going to affect you know how we are mentally. A lot of times that that can really play on your mind and jack you up. And I, you know we drink all the time, and we don't mean to make light of substance abuse or anything. We don't have a problem, I promise, sort of thing. <laughs> but but really, if you do have a problem, stop doing it. Certainly don't combine those two things of, you know, when you're constantly uh, abusing substances and you have a mental health issue um, because you might say things like this. This is a country of white men. <laughs> and with that, I leave you. <laughs> God damn it. Bye. You thought I was going somewhere else with that, you fucking dumb bitch. It's so heartfelt. It was so heartfelt. <laughs> Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Fucking Jack, dude. Yoked. Fucking yoked, dude. Fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'm jacked beyond belief. I'm jacked off. Jack, in control, in control of my life. I'm big boy. I'm not a baby. You're a fucking baby. <laughs> oh, you got a dad, huh? That's cool. It's fucking cool. Nice dad, bitch. I bought some body wash there for fifteen dollars. <laughs> it was. It's the non-scented shit. It always costs more for some reason, even though they have to put less in it. That's <clears throat> a uh, goddamn. Spaghettios out of the can today. Mm, cold? I've been eating. Yes. <laughs> the only, I can't tell you the last time I had a hot SpaghettiO, <laughs> much less an entire can. There's something prideful about eating it out of the can straight. Like, you I know, feel like a man, I, dude. I could heat this up, but fucking why? Why would I do this? Well, it's sustenance. Yeah. If you heat it up, you're like trying to make it good. Just acknowledge that it's shit. Like, I know what it's like to be homeless. Look at me. <laughs> I, I don't know, dude. It's not like really anything else. Like, if you got some green beans and started eating those straight out of the can, that would be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But <laughs> SpaghettiOs, it's like, if you heat them up, you're actually trying. <laughs> and you don't want to be seen as trying while eating SpaghettiOs. That's true. That's fair. You don't have to quote the stress ball. I do.